Hi, Stephanie here. I am an entrepreneur, lobbyist, wife, mother, book lover, and political junkie. I think gender equality is still a work in progress in our homes, our workplaces, and our politics. And I love to learn, especially from other women. So I started Women Don't Do That, a podcast and blog to talk about issues women care about today and to inspire us to do whatever it is we think we can't do. Alana Riley is the Senior Vice President, Product and Distribution, Mortgage and Banking Solutions at IG Wealth Management. She's had an expansive career in financial services, leading teams of a thousand plus employees in wealth management, insurance, banking, mortgages, estate and trust, small and medium-sized business lines. And she was awarded Women of Finance Wealth Manager of the Year. Alana, thank you so much for being here today. Thanks so much for having me. I'm, I'm thrilled to be here, Stephanie. I wanted to kick things off by asking you, what does life look like for you right now? Yeah, it's, you know, probably uh, so, so much similar to so many people and, and you know, not changing over the past two years. I think there was these moments of hope where we thought, oh, we're, we're almost done COVID. We're almost out of uh, working from home. And uh, yet here we still are. So uh, as we speak today, I'm in Calgary, Alberta, sitting in my home office. I have not made it back into the office on full-time capacity yet, Uh, although the good news is uh, my kids are back in school, so uh, thank goodness for that. But uh, I do see light at the end of the tunnel with lots of different, you know, announcements and changes happening, you know, provincially and across the country and certainly just in terms of travel. So hopefully a, a little bit of normalcy in 2022 for us. Yes. Yeah, that would be that would be fantastic. How old are your kids? Uh, well, you know, you call them kids. I don't know at what point you stop calling them kids, but my oldest will be 22 uh, shortly um, and actually has special needs. So uh, happy to chat about that further, but uh, that's a whole different ballgame, that's for sure. Uh, middle is 18 and at university for his first time. So uh, again, an interesting experience. And the youngest is a 16-year-old daughter. And for those listeners who have teenage daughters, I can certainly appreciate uh, exactly what I'm saying as soon as I said 16 and daughter. Uh, yeah. Yes. So good, good and exciting times, that's for sure. Yes, well, yes. Well, <laughs> I feel like we should connect again another time and unpack that. I have, I have a daughter who is 11 and a daughter who is eight. So as you say, 16-year-old daughter, I'm starting to slowly see see that happening in my own world and just personality changes and yeah for sure I I've been told and I would tend to agree that the devil does come and steal your daughter for a period of time um but I'm hopeful based on my own relationship with my mother and family that they come back to you at some point in the future (laughs) we just got to hang in and be tough in the middle time in the middle period Stephanie yes I would agree I want to ask you what motivates you to live your best life what a great question but you know I think just uh the fact that we only have one is probably where I would start you know I think you know there's just so many uh, um things that have happened just particularly during COVID that I think have really reset a lot of people's priorities 
Um, and you know, yeah, I hate the term work-life balance. I, I think uh, I think balance is BS. I don't know if we're allowed to swearing on your podcast, so I'll, I'll try to. But I, I just wholeheartedly hate that term of balance because you know I think if there ebbs and flows, and you know I'll, I always say that on the very best day that my team would say, "Wow, like she is the best leader ever." It's not the same day the kids are going to say she's the best mom ever because you can't be all things to all people at the same time. And I think. Partially with COVID, you know, we started to understand that, you know, it was okay to start bringing in and talking about your family life and, and putting some of those needs first and, and having a little bit more of that focus. And so, you know, I think just in terms of how do you, how do you live the, you know, your best life is I wholeheartedly feel you got to love what you do. So if you're a person that you by Sunday are dreading the fact that it's Monday, like I can't even function because tomorrow's Monday it's time for you to find something else to do. Like you, you absolutely should love what you do and not to say every single morning of my life, I'm jumping off the bed saying, Woohoo, I, you know, I'm going to work this morning. But, uh, but a lot of them are, yeah, like you, you, you actually have to love what you do and enjoy what you do. And, you know, I think oftentimes you hear people like I'm waiting till Friday, I'm waiting the vacation, I'm waiting till my kids get older. I'm waiting. I've just always had the mindset that you know, you just got to enjoy the small moments of each and every day. Um, and, and, and those little small moments add up to a whole bunch of great big moments, I think. Mm-hmm. I think that's great advice for all of us to certainly think about and try to emulate, especially right now, like you said. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Can you walk us through some of your personal and professional milestones to get to where you are today at IG Well? Yeah, for sure. You know, I would um, certainly say, I think, you know, for me, the early success and continued success always starts on the basis of education. And so, um, you know, I think coming out of a university with an undergrad degree, and in fact, uh, that's how I started in banking was, you know, it was just uh, on the tail end of getting my undergrad and sociology of all things, although <laughs> you know, I think based on the fact that I deal with people so often, it's served me well, um, you know, started in uh, thinking, well, you know, I, I should get something else on my resume other being a waitress during uh, during my undergrad, although it paid well. <laughs> so, you know, started in uh, in banking and, and that was, you know, kind of my introduction into the world of finance, so to speak. And uh, obviously, you know, kind of, I must have done well because they started to promote me uh, very quickly and took on early days some uh, different managerial roles and early leadership roles, which I loved. Um, and then continued to take more courses and, and can carry on through my career. Um, then at a later point did go back and, and obtain an MBA as well, which, you know, I think still um, as one of the career, you know, and professional highlights, I, I still am in constant touch with the people that I was part of that group. Um, and, you know, I think it's, uh, it had a significant impact and, and, and so much so because I felt it was very, you know, relevant after I'd already had 10 years in the business and you could apply a different kind of mindset and principle to it. Uh, and then I would say just in terms of, you know, career progression, you know, I think you have, you have to take some risks and, um, you know, I would certainly say one of the biggest risks was, you know, at one point we were in Windsor, Ontario, and um, for those who are aware of the area, it's, you know, a very heavily automotive industry, and that was where my family all worked from. My dad worked in Dearborn, Michigan, and um, most of my family was in the surrounding Detroit area. And there was a period of time where, you know, there, there was a recession happening and there wasn't a lot of career potential and certainly not a lot of career potential as you want to move further you know, up the corporate ladder. And, um, you know, as, as I came home one evening and said to my husband, you know, that there's, you know, there's this, you mentioned you know, something about looking at moving west. And at that point, 
I had never been west of Ontario because you know, where we were born and raised, everywhere you go is south, right? Like you go south to warm places, south to Mexico, south to travel, but certainly not uh, Western Canada at the time. Uh, and make a long story short, it was like one of those decisions that at eight o'clock, uh, had to decide whether or not to put my name in for a job posting that I saw was closing at midnight. Um, you know, to apply for across the country and, um, and long and the short of it, you know, it was a big, huge risk. I lived like within the same kilometer of my mother and sister. And like, I didn't even do grocery shopping independently. It was crazy. Um, and then all of a sudden I got a job and packed up and moved to the family. And I think that fundamentally that huge risk, um, really paid off because I don't think I would have had the same career opportunities that I have now and it's funny because even to this day you know if you as you fill out different you know uh, things at work you know are you know are you mobile and my answer is always yes sure I you know you're always open to having the discussion I know that that might not necessarily be the answer to all individuals and all families but sometimes you have to take a risk to really leapfrog in your career I think. Mm, I, I feel like that's a really interesting point and I think from some of the other people I've interviewed that that taking risk piece and stepping out of your comfort zone is often what really allowed people to propel themselves forward. So I think that's a really important point. Can you talk a little bit more about what IG Wealth does? Yeah, absolutely. Um, I'm proud to say that we have a over almost 95 year history in Canada, uh, serving Canadian uh, clients and families. Uh, We're focused on providing holistic financial planning. Um, And I'm really proud of the work that we're doing because, you know, I call it the plan that we help people sleep at night. And so while you'll have some investment advisors who focus on just your investable assets and what that looks like, uh, and others who might focus on your insurance, we actually focus on building out a holistic plan that will continue to evolve and change. So, you know, a great example this year for us, you know, I won going off to university and uh, thank goodness we had saved in a registered education savings plan and then meeting with my advisor to talk about what that looks like and, you know, planning for the future, talking about our own retirement and certainly still uh, dealing with the generational uh, family needs that we have within my family and most Canadians have. So, you know, we're really focused on meeting those intergenerational needs, which are becoming more and more complex. Uh, And I think lastly, just selfishly, because this is just something I'm so passionate about, I think we're making great progress serving the niche market for women as well. And I think that's just an area where we're going to continue to see all firms, all organizations rally towards it, because for the first time in Canadian history, women will control 50% of Canada's wealth in 2026, which, you know, I think there's a lot of different uh, factors and components that come into meeting women's needs that are going to be much different than what we've traditionally explored in the past. Well, that's really exciting. That's interesting to think about. I hadn't thought of from that, that perspective before. Can you talk to us a little bit about your job? So you're the Senior Vice President, Product and Distribution, Mortgage and Banking Solutions. So what are you responsible for? So I'm responsible for anything that's underneath our product lineup that we will be offering our clients as it relates to mortgages, investment loans, RSP loans, HELOCs, and continuing to look for new products on the market. You know, I think it's interesting when you think of how you could maybe potentially approach your banking needs, even pre-COVID, by the way. Like, you know, there's so many things have changed just during this period of time where, you know, lots of people were still going into a bank and thinking of a bricks and mortar location where I need to go in and physically see 
see someone. Uh, I'm thrilled with the work that we did very quickly early on during COVID to be able to onboard a client end-to-end, meet their needs with DocuSign and being on video like we are today, you know, and, and team calls. So you're really being able to still stay connected with your clients in a digital world. And so I think we've made great progress. So my responsibility is to continue to work and evolve and look at what products we want to be offering our clients now, but also how do we offer those products? You know, do we do that in a digital seamless environment? And for those clients who do still want face-to-face interactions, how do we provide that as well? So I also hold some of our key external partner relationships uh, as well as help support our distribution team. So our advisors from coast to coast and how they continue to provide the great planning needs that they do specifically to these financial plans as it relates to mortgage and banking. I think, you know, one of those pieces of, you know, helping clients sleep at night is like, you know, when you look at the, the home prices across Canada over the past yes. couple of years, the percentage of growth that we've seen, uh, as well as it's so, so many different market changes that for the most of us, you know, your home is both your biggest asset and your biggest liability. So how can we make sure that that's built within the financial plan and, and really working towards meeting your goals for you? It's very interesting. And I can see how much the pandemic has really impacted the work that you do and accelerated it, which is really interesting to, to think about as well. Absolutely. Can you talk about your experience as a woman working in finance or in leadership? Yeah, I, happy to. And, uh, you know, I realize you have a time-based program here. I could talk about this one for days. <laughs> you know, I think um, uh, it has, you know, it's certainly been an interesting journey. And, you know, I think early on in my career, I was, um, you, you, you see this kind of shift where in banking, there's a lot of roles that are filled by women at a certain level. And then once you hit a leadership level, there is a complete shift. Um, and I think actually lots of the wealth firms and lots of the financial institutions have been doing great work over the past number of years to really start to impact those numbers at higher levels. Um, and I think that's exciting. That said, I think we still have so much work to do. You know, I, I think when you look at the number of CEOs in the country and, uh, and Canada uh, that are women occupying those roles, as well as BIPOC and other, you know, other uh, concerns that we should have, we should all have in terms of diversity and inclusion. Um, you know, we have lots of work to do. I also wholeheartedly think we have lots of work to do on corporate boards in Canada, where you look at the makeup of these boards and they no longer represent what the Canadian population looks like. And I think that we all have a responsibility to continue to drive that forward. But, you know, I would certainly say that it is, you know, it is still challenging, even as myself as a leader, you know, I fundamentally want to make sure that we have more women on our team. Yet, I also fundamentally believe that I don't want to be put into a role, nor do I want uh, anyone else to be put in a role unless they're the best person suited and qualified for that position. Um, so I think it's a, it's a fine balancing act between, you know, between the both. Right. How, how do you think we get to see change on boards? Like, what are some of the things or in CEO positions? What, what can we do? Yeah, I'm, I'm really inspired actually by the work of one of my colleagues at McKenzie. She, Fate is her name, she, um, she's been tasked with really looking at setting up investment products that are meeting the needs of some of these social changes, right? Like people are starting to understand that, you know, I, you know, I have a responsibility to climate change and what I'm going to invest in 
in terms of companies, you know, are sustainable? What does that look like? And I think lots of people think around sustainability and, and ESG around environmental needs, but it's social needs as well. Mm. So the same companies that we're now looking at investing in um, really also need to have similar mandates. So they actually say, this is the number of people that you need to have diversifying your board in order to meet the investment needs. And I think, you know, as, as we see continued further change on that, more and more firms and asset managers coming out and, and really upholding and driving that message, you know, that is going to be part of the catalyst to change for us all. That's really interesting. And I like how you spoke to it from the perspective of what's going on in your industry. And it makes me think about that wider impact that if everybody in their roles and positions is working on those things in their industries, what a big change we could actually see. Absolutely. And, you know, I think ultimately there's been so many studies about this, but it's, it's just, uh, crazy to me that you know why companies don't want to ensure that the the adoption on on board levels and more aren't happening faster um, is you know that whole diversity of thought is so important and I see that with my own team all the time um, you know and I always say that I, I certainly don't need more people like me you know on my leadership team you know we're a great team because we all bring different backgrounds skill sets and thoughts to the table and I think you know you really see that those diverse teams drive better financial results and you know I think for any company owner business owner investor, you know, Canadian citizen, you know, that, that should be really important. Mm -hmm. Yeah. That's really important to think about too. What misconceptions do you think exist either for women in finance or women in leadership, whichever you want to touch on? Yeah, I think, um, well, well, probably both. I think, you know, what I would just speak to leadership first to say that I think that there's a misconception and maybe it's, you know, the generation right before mine that, you know, in order to be a leader, you have to have, you know, more of this uh, stoic, uh, cold, uh, I, I, you know, I would say a different approach than some of the characteristics that you know, some women tend to have. Um, and, you know, I think the work done by Brene Brown has been absolutely amazing. I'm just such a huge fan of hers, you know, really kind of, you know, I would say talking about being that authentic leader and that it's okay to be vulnerable and be yourself and still be strong. And, you know, and I wouldn't apply that quite frankly, just to women. I, I think that applies to men, women, all of us. Yes. Um, so, you know, I, I think it's just great to see that shift uh, and, and, and very exciting. And I think in terms of finance, you know, there's so many things uh, that I think have impacted some of the numbers you know, that we see coming in, partially because early on, you know, some of the roles that we offer are, are not a salary based role. You're actually an independent business owner commissioned uh, um, employee in many cases that impacts things when all of a sudden you want to go off on a maternity leave. And so, you know, I, again, I'm inspired by the work that companies are doing, or is included, to really reevaluate what those maternity leaves look like, and now really focusing on parental leaves, right? So, you know, determine, letting the, the whole family determine who's going to be off and for how long, so that it's not having the impact that we see early on in that career period of time. And so I think that work fundamentally will be very important because, you know, I think there's often times that women aren't necessarily picking that as a career opportunity or field to go into, mainly because of that. Um, and also, quite frankly, because, you know, you still see numbers, although increasingly, uh, it's very exciting, increasingly coming 
Indiana universities with further degrees in math and, and you know, of course, uh, science and tech. And so as those numbers of women continue to increase, then of course, you'd see that entry level uh, numbers uh, also increasing, which is exciting. Yes, that is very exciting. I want to talk a little bit more about a few things that you said earlier. Um, when you talked about during pandemic, we've been able to bring, you know, our personal lives a little bit more to work, or I think it's a little bit easier if you have an appointment to talk about and say, oh, I have to do, to do this today or something. Um, but I feel like some workplaces, some CEOs are probably still not there. So what do you say to employees who are, who are struggling in workplaces where they, they feel the need for that culture change? especially when they see it happening in other places, but they don't have it at their own work yet. Yeah, I think that, um, so first of all, I think being able to be brave and, and provide feedback, obviously in you know, the appropriate setting and forum, you know, that doesn't mean like, oh, let's go blast on social media, but you know, is there a way to start having a great conversation with an HR partner to understand? Because I think sometimes actually, you know, there's, there is um, availability to do all kinds of unique things, but unfortunately some people just aren't even aware of what the benefits and programs that are offered. And so some of it is just communication and understanding Understanding. And so, you know, I would say before, um, before just thinking, oh, I don't, you know, have these opportunities to explore them and really set that meaning and, and understanding what that looks like. And then, you know, I think I, I am hopeful that we're now seeing a completely different trend. Um, and not just a trend because people need a different type of work-life balance in terms of, you know, I think that whole, uh, you know, idea of like who's going to be first in the office and who's going to be last to leave is, you know, most valued employee, you know, now really looking at like, can we function in a hybrid working environment? So people um, have the ability, those people who are more successful and you know, doing a, a, a balancing approach of work-life at home and in the office will have that availability. And quite frankly, I think if there are, you mentioned the you know, CEOs or companies that aren't offering that, well, they're going to have a quick wake up call real soon because, you know, employees yeah. have a choice right now. And we're in an environment where, you know, it competitively, it's, it's hard to find great people. Um, and more importantly, we want to retain great people. And so I think that we need to continue to value the voices of our teams, our employees, and work collectively together in terms of driving change and, and driving how we move forward. The last thing I'll just add in terms of, of where we're at uh, coming out of COVID, you know, I think for the first time ever that it's now okay to also talk about mental health. Mm -hmm. And I think that this was just such a taboo area for so long for so many people and you know I, I am really happy with the work that many companies uh, that are and they are doing to focus in on this to say that you know it, it's okay we are here to help support you uh, we're actually taking a hard look at some of the different benefit programs i.e how many dollars do you have to go to psychology services as an example um, and you know so there's all these you know, new opportunities coming out of COVID that I think will be really interesting moving forward in terms of how we better support and and learn and understand each other right I thought I thought your first point was really important about make sure you check in with your HR, understand what's available to you. I remember, uh, like I didn't grow up with parents that worked in corporate jobs. And when I first started working and I remember like, you know, you, you're given the HR manual to review and I didn't know what any of it meant, like not benefits, nothing, <laughs> like nothing. And um, 
remember over time going back and like reading it again and trying to understand and every little bit you kind of understand a little bit more. And so I think that that is helpful because sometimes we don't know. And then I also appreciated your point that, you know, companies who, who don't have um, flexibility or understanding in those areas will, will potentially be left behind. And I think we're, de- we're definitely seeing that where, where people are being <laughs> forced to make some of those changes. So it's certainly an interesting time. Absolutely. Yeah. Another thing that you mentioned earlier uh, that I thought might be interesting to unpack a little bit of is about you having three kids. Um, you've had a busy career, but also that you have a child with special needs. Is there anything you'd want to share about that? Yeah, I think, um, first of all, you know, we feel blessed. Uh, I I think he teaches us more than we could teach him. Um, And, you know, he teaches us to be humble. He teaches us a sense of humor, uh, teaches us patience, and, you know, teaches us more of the joy of life. So uh, Austin is his name. He was born with uh, global developmental delays, but he was uh, a preemie over two and a half months uh, early um, Mm. and dropped down to two two pounds, seven ounces. And I think of those bricks of butter, he was less than three of them, which is just crazy to me. So at the time, you know, bathing him in a little teeny, uh, you know, stainless steel kitchen bowl uh, of now, of course, the kid is, you know, six foot one and uh, <laughs> over 200 pounds. So I don't have to, uh, to worry about that so much. But, you know, I think it goes back to being able to, um, one, you know, provide everybody with, with their best life. And everybody should be living their best life, regardless of what society or ourselves have put up in terms of expectations. I always say like, you know, if you let go of what you think you can do and let go of what you think of other people can do, we're capable of so much more. Mm -hmm. And even as simple as going back to the example of when we moved West, you know, I was most worried about how he would adopt to change and how he would settle in. Um, and ironically, he actually settled in faster than the rest of us, met new friends and, you know, was able to uh, to participate and be included in the community uh, so much, so much faster. I will say during COVID for a family, working family with a, a child, a son with special needs, I should stop saying child, I should say adult now, he's <laughs> 22. Um, uh, you know, it was very difficult. He, he was a very social kid volunteering through DDRC, which is the Developmental Resource Center here in Calgary. So he was very active. Active, you know, volunteering at the music center, volunteering at an old age home, and then, you know, going to this other place where they'd be very active doing all kinds of different, you know, within, you know, different work placements. Uh, so he was out of the house busy all day, every day, going to Flames games at night, biggest, <laughs> biggest hockey fan and um, ski coaching, uh, volunteering on the weekend. So we had a very action packed schedule um, and physically uh, demanding as well. And then to all of a sudden have that come to a crashing halt where you can do anything was very, very difficult and very difficult from him to process and understand that people, quite frankly, he cares about and loves and his family could be at in, in risk of dying, right? Like there was that whole fear of, oh my gosh, you know, I have a grandmother who's almost a hundred. Is she gonna, is she gonna be okay? Uh, she lives in a retirement home. I, you know, he's grandparents in the seventies. And so, you know, he, he became obsessed with checking daily COVID numbers and reporting them. Oh, wow. Um, and it was a very, very difficult time for us. And I, I know for many families that COVID in the early, uh, the early transition was very, very difficult as well. Yes. Yeah, it, it is. I have a neighbor who, who has a, a child with autism and, and she has expressed to just the challenges with services not available or services changing and things. And um, yeah, there's so much need for support there and it's challenging on a good day and then having those Absolutely. things change. 
so much. Thank you for sharing that. I think what you were saying earlier about people limiting themselves and I think it's a really important point because I think sometimes we can look at women like you that are very successful and think, you know, they had it really easy and maybe they don't even have kids or, or things like that. And so it's really refreshing when people are able to experience, like share their real world experience, what it's actually like, some of the challenges you went through. I think it allows us to see ourselves more as those leaders in the future. Absolutely. Absolutely. And quite frankly, I think it allows you to actually have a better understanding and caring for what your team might be going through as well. Yes. Um, and, and so I think that's, that's so important to be able to be there. You know, I would say as a people leader, you actually have to care about people. <laughs> like yes. Fundamentally, you actually need to give a crap about your team. And when you actually can come to work and care about them, care about them personally, care about their success, care about them wanting to meet their hopes and dreams, that's a different working relationship than, you know, uh, uh, just come into work and respond, respond to my emails and, and uh, show up at my meetings. It's a, it's a different, it's a different commitment level that you'll get from people as well. Right. Oh, that's, yeah, that's really important. It makes me think about certainly some of the work experiences that I've had and felt more valued or felt more committed to the work. That was definitely very true. I want to jump in more on some of the financial planning side. Sure. If, if some of the listeners are new to financial planning, what do you think they should be thinking about to even get started? Because it can seem really overwhelming. Yeah, it's, it's a great point. And I hear that often. And um, so, you know, I would say first step is, you know, you have to find someone that you're going to start to build a relationship with. And that might take you a couple tries, by the way. And just, you know, it's, I always joke and say, look, like I would never randomly stop and pick a hairdresser, right? Like I would just never drive down the street and say, oh, I'm going to just pull in here and go for it, you know, do whatever you'd like. You also need to do some research because not all financial planners are made equal. So uh, we pride ourselves on really focusing on hiring certified financial planners or ensuring our teams are working towards the certified financial planning designation. Um, It's really the all-star gold uh, uh, in simplified terms of, of being able to apply financial planning techniques. It's a very intense program um, and uh, and certainly worthy of making sure that the advisor that's going to be handling your your, um, uh, plan does have that designation. So that would be kind of one, I would would certainly encourage you to to look for that. And two, someone that you feel that you can start to build a relationship in. and, and, And I think that's just so important, particularly for women, because you know, I think it's interesting. One of the stats that I've been sharing with our team over the past uh, short period of time is that after the death of a spouse, 72% of women leave that financial advisor, which is just like a shockingly crazy high statistic, but it shows you 72% of women actually had no relationship. It was only their spouse that potentially had that relationship with the financial advisor. Um, So really important. And then I think lastly, like you said, you know, you don't have to come in with, oh my gosh, I'm going to come in and solve everything, all components of the financial plan. We actually at our work call it a living plan, which I love because the living plan means like, look, it's changing. Your life changes every six months and so should your plan. It's going to continue to evolve as things change. Every time you, you know, uh, have anything happen personally, you know, you're, you're getting married, you're getting divorced, 
Uh, you're inheriting family assets. You're getting a new job. You turn 10 years older. All these things <laughs> are having, you know, all these things happen to your plan, and that's going to need to change and evolve. But the first step is, is you know, just start small. You go and meet with someone, and you know, they're gonna, oh, we're going to go through all these things. Even if you just solve for what, what is your first burning, but like your burning issue. Normally, people will start the process because they have a burning issue. Like you said, like I need to understand my benefits, or I understand my insurance, you know, isn't uh, where it should be. And I think that's another huge part of COVID coming out saying, wow, you know, do I have the right coverage for being, you know, do I have the right for disability insurance and or life insurance? Um, you know, so it going in and being able to solve for what you want to and then building out that framework to say, okay, well, now I'm going to have a next goal in three months or here is my next goal. And I think really being able to go through that process uh, with advisors and understand what your longer term, short term goals are. Um, and then lastly, I just say that we're we're really thrilled we have um, uh, have partnered with Conquest to provide our living plan portal. So for our clients, they have a digital view of their plan on their end. So as you can go in and modify and make changes and your advisor can also work on their end to be able to continue. Continue to, to move towards those goals. So it's a like a fully digital integrated system where you can make changes on that plan and feel accountable to holding yourself to some of those goals as well. Yeah, no, that, that's really interesting. And I could see that being really helpful over time, regardless of the industry. I think people have wanted a lot more information or wanting to be a lot more involved, whether it's working with NGOs or otherwise. And so I can see how having access to those kinds of platforms. One more question related to that before we get into the final question. Is there anything else you think women need to know about financial planning? I think that women need to know everything about financial planning. I think <laughs> that I, in my very early in my career, I had, um, unfortunately, a husband and wife sit down in my office and, you know, I thought, oh, this is going to be great. I'm going to talk about RSPs, everything else. Well, within a very couple of short minutes, I came to the understanding that they were having a marital breakdown and, you know, she's in tears, you know, it's not going well. She thinks that they have money. She had no idea that she had kind of co-signed. And, you know, so, so you know, just fundamentally understanding, you know, you don't have to own the entire financial planning process for your family. If there's someone, you know, who's your significant other, you know, your partner, um, and or spouse, that's great. But you, that means that you can't be like, you don't have to manage it day to day, but you need to have an understanding of what's happening on a very regular basis. So, you know, understanding how, you know, access to credit, you know, you'll see women who all of a sudden, you know, they're going to have a, a marital breakdown, but they've never had a credit card in their own name. They've always been a secondary user under their spouse. And now they, they're in a position where they've had no established credit built up. Um, having no, you know, there's no safety or a nest egg in their own name. Um, and so I think being actively involved and accountable um, for your own financial wellness is very, very important. Yes, that's so important. And, and it makes me think about just like that women know that they're entitled to that information. There's nothing wrong with them asking to see it, asking to be engaged. And that if your partner doesn't want you to, that's probably a red flag. Absolutely. Yes, absolutely. Yes, absolutely. All right. So let's jump into some of our final questions that we like to ask everybody. What is one piece of advice you want to leave with listeners? Uh, you know, I think um, I'll go back to what, you know, I was sharing just as it relates to my son, Austin. So I love the line, let go of what you think you can do. You know, we're all so much capable of anything we set our mind to. 
And so you, you like your own limitations are just the limitations that you determine. So let go of what you think you can do. The stars, the sky is the limit. I love that. What is the best rule you ever broke? You know, I, I say as women, we need to stop apologizing. I know we're Canadian. I know we love <laughs> to say, I'm sorry for this. I'm sorry for that. We just need to stop apologizing for everything that we're going to do. Um, and we don't have to apologize for putting our own needs first, by the way. You know, I call it instead, my, the previous generations called it the sandwich generation. I now have a clubhouse generation. I got four generations of women in our family. My man, who's 101, down to my 16-year-old, um, and you know, demands of a family time. And there's times where I need to put my own needs first, and that's okay. So stop apologizing for it. Yes, that's a, that's a very important reminder. What is your most valuable habit that was hardest to create? You know, uh, first of all, uh, a couple of years ago, uh, on the side of, of being completely transparent, because normally I would not ever shared this in my persona of finance at, at work before, I actually went through yoga training school to become a certified yoga teacher. Not because I really ever plan on teaching yoga, but I think really just understanding uh, the fundamentals and the basics of it was, was, uh, it was just fantastic for me. Um, and I think one of those key lessons, they talk about a riti, which is, you know, your mind gets in this whirlpool and you fixate on something and you just go around and around in the whirlpool. And, you know, oftentimes I think as women, we're doing that at two in the morning and just focused on what happened this. So, you know, I think for me, it's really around that whole yogi mindset of, you know, we can't just fixate of being in the past and worry about what happened or worry about what's going to happen in, in, you know, in the future that as much as possible, focus on what can we do today? What can I focus on today to be in the present moment? You know, enjoy. I don't worry about how much time I have, you know, spending with my kids. Maybe it's the quality time instead of the quantity of time. Uh, yes, and just yes. be, be in the present moment. And, and uh, it's hard to do, though. So I haven't, yes. I, I don't think you ever mastered it. But it's, uh, it's something that I, uh, the habit that I guess I continue to strive towards. I know a few people that have now done the, that kind of yoga training to be able to teach. Um, yeah, very, very interesting. Thank you for sharing that. Can you name another woman that inspires you? Well, you know, I think, first of all, I, I have to start just by going with the own power, you know, powerful and strong women in my own family. And when I mentioned my 101-year-old uh, grandmother, an East Londoner, you know, called up and actually served in World War II. Mm -hmm. And, you know, when you think of, you know, the, like then, the, was it normal for women to drive? She had to learn to drive with an army truck um, and leading up to her driving ammunition out, to, you know, on D-Day. It's just you know, the stories that uh, she had are just amazing. And then, of course, moving from uh, England as a war bride, you know, all the way to uh, Canada, not knowing anyone and um, the bravery. And by the way, with no cell phones where you're calling and FaceTiming people yes. on basis, right? So uh, I continued to be inspired by her and my own mother, who was a, a woman in leadership, who uh, was the first woman at a city council table, first woman in a director role, a first woman to do so many things in her career. And one of also which was leading the path for pay equity legislation. And that was, you know, over 25 years ago. You know, unfortunately, we still are in need of more pay equity legislation. Yes. But 
inspired by the work that she uh, she does. And then, you know, I would just say lastly, um, and this is a line I use often, I love the line that Michelle Obama has shared, when they go low, we go high. And I think in our continued, um, you know, social media scrutiny environment of, you know, constantly looking at what are other people doing and how does this compare? And it even goes back to my own teenage daughter, you know, you know, it, it's, uh, it's really just kind of different to see how a generation is so fixated on what other people think. And so, you know, because of that, people cannot, you know, there's, there's lots of people out there who have lots of things to say, a critical eye. And I love Michelle's comment around when other people go low, that's an opportunity for us to go high. Yeah. So it's such amazing um, women in your life that you shared. And it, it just reminds me about how important it is as women who are leaders and who do take those steps and have those roles uh, when you're the first so that other women can see themselves in those roles in the future. And so much of that work has been done and, and there's more to do as we talked about earlier, but it really does make a difference. And I know often women just think, oh, I'm just doing my work. Or I'm just living my life, but you're making such a big difference so the, for, from those other women behind you. So it's just amazing. Absolutely. Is there a podcast you're loving right now? Oh, well, you know, like I had mentioned earlier, I, you know, I'm, I'm absolutely addicted to Brene Brown. So I listen, Unlocking Us. She's joined by her sister. So I always have a great laugh uh, along the way uh, in there. So I, I think she does a fantastic job. Dare to lead, of course, with the leadership. So uh, any of those podcasts that, uh, that she uh, is hosting right now, I, I'm just a big fan. Amazing. Tell us about a book that made you wiser. You know, um, I loved Adam Grant, Think Again. We actually had him speak at one of our IG events this past year as well. It was just such an inspiration to listen to. And, you know, it's that quote, you don't have to believe everything you think. <laughs> you know, it's just so interesting, you know, around, you know, the success moving forward is actually your ability to rethink and unlearn. And, you know, it's a different concept, I think. Um, to say like, you know, stop thinking that, you know, what you're talking about, you actually need to unlearn what you're, what you think and move forward. And I just, I, I was really, uh, uh, really um, inspired and interested by, by his thought process and, and some of the sharings and some of his studies as well. That sounds really interesting that, yes, that I think that will be a book that probably many of the listeners will want to pick up and listen to. It sounds fantastic. Well, thank you so much, Elena, for your time today really appreciate you sharing and you know people got to learn more about you as a leader but also a little bit more about things that can really help them um, with their finances as well so thank you for sharing that time with us amazing well thank you so much for having me stephanie and uh we'll hopefully uh hear hear some lots of great more speakers on your upcoming podcast and in the near future as well thank you perfect thanks again thank you so much elena Thank you for listening to Women Don't Do That. I hope you feel inspired to do whatever it is you think you can't do. Make sure to subscribe so you never miss an episode. Stay connected on Twitter and Instagram at Women Don't Do That. I would love to have you join the conversation, so make sure you join our next Instagram Live. Find all our podcast and blog content at womendontdothat.com. Join me next time.